Section 7 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the street sellers of second-hand boots and shoes. The man who gave me the following account of this trade had been familiar with it a good many years, fifteen he believed, but was by no means certain. I saw at his lodgings a man who was finishing his day's work there, in cobbling and translating. He was not in the employ of my informant, who had two rooms, or rather a floor. He slept in one and let the other to the translator, who was a relation, he told me, and they went on very well together, as he, the street-seller, liked to sit and smoke his pipe of a night in the translator's room, which was much larger than his own. And sometimes, when times were pretty bobbish, they clubbed together for a good supper of tripe, or had a prime-hot jemmy apiece, with a drop of good beer. A jemmy is a baked sheep's head. The room was tidy enough, but had the strong odour of shoemaker's wax proper to the craft. "'I've been in a good many street trades, and others too,' said my informant. "'Since you want to know, and for a good purpose as well as I can understand it, I was apprenticed to a shoemaker in Northampton, with a lot more.' Why, it was more like a factory than anything else, was my master's, and the place we worked in was so confined and hot, and we couldn't open the window, that it was worse than the East Indies. Oh, I know what they is. I've been there. I was so badly treated, I ran away from my master, for I had only a father, and he cared nothing about me, and so I broke my indentures. After a good bit of knocking about, and living as I could, and starving when I couldn't, but I never thought of going back to Northampton. I listed, and was a good bit in the Indies. Well, never mind, sir, how long, or what happened to me when I was soldier. I did nothing wrong, and that ain't what you was asking about, and I'd rather say no more about it. I have met with other street folk who had been soldiers, and who were fond of talking of their service, often enough to grumble about it, so that I am almost tempted to think my informant had deserted, but I questioned him no further on the subject. "'I had my ups and downs again, sir,' he continued, when I got back to England. "'God bless us all. I'm very fond of children, but I never married, and when I've been at the worst, I've been really glad that I hadn't no one depending on me. It's bad enough for oneself, but when there's others as you must love, what must it be then?' "'I've smoked a pipe when I was troubled in mind and couldn't get a meal.' but could only get a pipe, and backy's shamefully dear here. But if I'd had a young daughter now, what good would it have been my smoking a pipe to comfort her? I've seen that in people that's akin to me, and has been badly off, and with families. I had a friend or two in London, and I applied to them when I couldn't hold out no longer, and they gave me a bit of a rise, so I began as a costermonger. I was living among them as was in that line. Well now, it's a pleasant life in fine weather, why, it was only this morning Joe, the translator, was reading the paper at breakfast time. He gets it from the public house, and if it's two, three, or four days old, it's just as good for us. And there was ten thousand pines had been received from the West Indies. There's a chance for the costermongers, says I, if they don't go off too dear. Then cherries is in, and I was beginning to wish I was a costermonger myself still, but my present trade is surer. My boots and shoes'll keep. They don't spoil in hot weather. Cherries and strawberries does, and if it comes thunder and wet, you can't sell. 
I worked a barrow, and sometimes had only a bit of a pitch, for a matter of two year, perhaps, and then I got into this trade, as I understood it. I sells all sorts, but not so much women's or children's. Why, as to prices, there's two sorts of prices. You may sell as you buy, or you may sell new-sold and healed. They're never new-welted for the streets. It wouldn't pay a bit. Not long since, I had a pair of very good Oxonians that had been new-welted, and the very first day I had them on sale, it was a dull, drizzly day, a lad tried to prick them. I just caught him in time. Did I give him in charge? I hope I've more sense. I've been robbed before, and I've caught young rips in the act. If it's boots or shoes they've tried to prig, I gives them a stirruping, with whichever it is, and a kick, and lets them go. Men's shoes, the regular sort, isn't a very good sale. I get from tenpence to four shilling sixpence a pair, but the high-priced ones is either sold and healed, and muddied well, or they've been real well made things, and not much worn. I've had gentlemen's shooting shoes sometimes, that's flung aside for the least thing. The plain shoes don't go off at all. I think people like something to cover their stocking feet more. For cloth button boots I get from one shilling, that's the lowest I ever sold at, to two shilling sixpence. The price is according to what condition the things is in, and what's been done to them. But there's no regular price. They're not in such good sale as they would be, because they soon show worn. The black legs gets to look very seamy, and it's a sort of boot that won't stand much knocking about, if it ain't right well made at first. I've been selling Oxonian button-overs. Note, Oxonian shoes, which cover the instep, and are closed by being buttoned, instead of being stringed through four or five holes. End note. At three shillings sixpence, and four shillings, but they was really good, and sold and healed. Others I sell at one shilling sixpence, to two shillings threepence, or two shillings sixpence. Blutcher's is from one shilling to three shillings sixpence. Wellington's from one shilling. Yes, indeed, I've had them as low as one shilling, and perhaps they weren't very cheap at that. Them very low-priced things never is, neither new nor old. From one shilling to five shillings. But Wellington's is more for the shops than the street. I do a little in children's boots and shoes. I sell them from threepence to fifteen pence. Yes, you can buy lower than threepence, but I'm not in that way. They sell quite as quick or quicker than anything. I've sold children's boots to poor women that wanted shoeing far worse than the child. Aye, many a time, sir. Top boots, they're called jockeys in the trade, isn't sold in the streets. I've never had any, and I don't see them with others in my line. Oh no, there's no such thing as hessians or backstraps. Note, a top boot without the light-coloured top. End note. In my trade now. Yes, I always have a seat handy where anybody can try on anything in the street. No, sir, no boot hooks nor shoehorn. Shoehorns is rather going out, I think. If what we sell in the streets won't go on without them, they won't be sold at all. A good many will buy if the thing's only big enough. They can't bear pinching and don't care much for a fine fit. Well, I suppose I take from thirty shillings to forty shillings a week. Fourteen shillings is about my profit. That's as to the year through. I sell little for women's wear, though I do sell their boots and shoes sometimes. Of the street sellers of old hats. The two street sellers of old coats, waistcoats and trousers, and of boots and shoes, whose statements precede this account, 
confined their trade generally to the second-hand merchandise I have mentioned as more especially constituting their stock. But this arrangement does not wholly prevail. There are many street traders in second-hand, perhaps two-thirds of the whole number, who sell indiscriminately anything which they can buy, or what they hope to turn out an advantage. But even they prefer to deal more in one particular kind of merchandise than another, and this is most of all the case as concerns the street sale of old boots and shoes. Hats, however, are among the second-hand wares, which the street seller rarely vends unconnected with other stock. I was told that this might be owing to the hats sold in the street being usually suitable only for one class, grown men, while clothes and boots and shoes are for boys as well as men. Caps may supersede the use of hats, but nothing can supersede the use of boots or shoes, which form the steadiest second-hand street trade of any. There are, however, occasions when a street seller exerts himself to become possessed of a cheap stock of hats by the well-known process of taking a quantity, and sells them without, or with but a small admixture, of other goods. One man who had been lately so occupied gave me the following account. He was of Irish parentage, but there was little distinctive in his accent. Hats, he said, are about the awkwardest things of any for the streets. Do as you will, they require a deal of room, so that what you'll mostly see isn't hats quite ready to put on your head and walk away in, but to be made ready. I've sold hats that way, though, I mean ready to wear, and my father before me has sold hundreds. Yes, I've been in the trade all my life, and it's the best way for a profit. You get, perhaps, the old hat in, or you buy it at a penny or tuppence, as may be, and so you kill two birds. But there's very little of that trade except on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. People want a decent tile for Sundays, and don't care for workdays. I never hawks hats, but I sells to those as do. My customers for hats are mechanics, with an odd clerk or two. Yes, indeed, I sell hats now and then to my own countrymen, to go decent to mass in. I go to mass myself as often as I can. Sometimes I go to vespers. No, the Irish in this trade ain't so good in going to chapel as they ought, but it takes such a time. Not just while you're there, but in shaving and washing and getting ready. My wife helps me in selling second-hand things. She's a better hand than I am. I have two boys. They're young yet, and I don't know what we shall bring them up to. Perhaps to our own business. And children seems to fall naturally into it, I think, when their fathers and mothers is in it. They're at school now. I have sold hats from sixpence to three shilling sixpence, but very seldom three shilling sixpence. The three shilling sixpence ones would wear out two new gossamers, I know. It's seldom you see beaver hats in the street trade now. They're nearly all silk. They say the beavers have got scarce in foreign parts where they're caught. I haven't an idea how many hats I sell in a year, for I don't stick to hats, you see, sir, but I like doing in them as well or better than in anything else. Sometimes I've sold nothing but hats for weeks together, wholesale and retail, that is. It's only the regular-shaped hats I can sell. If you offer swells hats, people'll say, I may as well buy a new wide-awake, at once. I have made twenty shillings in a week on hats alone. But if I confined my trade to them now, I don't suppose I could clear five shillings one week with another the year through. It's only the hawkers that can sell them in wet weather. 
I wish we could sell under cover in all the places where there's what you call street markets. It would save poor people that lives by the street many a tuppence by their things not being spoiled, and by people not heeding the rain to go and examine them. Of the street sellers of women's second-hand apparel. This trade, as regards the sale to retail customers in the streets, is almost entirely in the hands of women, seven-eighths of whom are the wives, relatives or connections of the men who deal in second-hand male apparel. But gowns, cloaks, bonnets and so on are collected more largely by men than by women, and the wholesale old-clothes merchants of course deal in every sort of habiliment. Petticoat and Rosemary Lanes are the grand marts for this street sale, but in Whitecross Street, Leather Lane, Old Street, St. Luke's, and some similar Saturday night markets in poor neighbourhoods, women's second-hand apparel is sometimes offered. It is often of little use offering it in the latter places, I was told by a lace seller who had sometimes tried to do business in second-hand shawls and cloaks, because you are sure to hear, oh, we can get them far cheaper in Petticoat Lane when we like to go as far. The different portions of female dress are shown and sold in the street as I have described in my account of Rosemary Lane, and of the trading of the men selling second-hand male apparel. There is not so much attention paid to set-off gowns that there is to set-off coats. If the gown be a washing gown, I was informed, it is sure to have to be washed before it can be worn, and so it is no use bothering with it and paying for soap and labour beforehand. If it be woollen or some stuff that won't wash, it has almost always to be altered before it is worn, and so it is no use doing it up, perhaps to be altered again. Silk goods, however, are carefully enough re-glossed and repaired. Most of the others just take their chance. A good-looking Irishwoman gave me the following account. She had come to London and had been a few years in service, where she saved a little money when she married a cousin, but in what degree of cousinship she did not know. She then took part in his avocation as a crockman, and subsequently as a street-seller of second-hand clothes. "'Why, yes, then and indeed, sir,' she said. "'I did feel rather queer in my new trade, going about from house to house, the commercial road and step way, but I soon got not to mind, and indeed, then, it don't matter much what way one gets one's living, so long as it's honest. "'Oh, yeah!' I know there's goings-on in old clothes that isn't always honest, but my husband's a fair dealing man. I felt queerer, too, when I had to sell in the street, but I soon got used to that, too. And it's not so much slavish work as the crocks, but we sometimes crocks in the mornings a little still, and sells in the evenings. No, not what we've collected, for that goes to Mr. Isaac's market, almost always, but stock that's ready for wear. For cotton gowns I've got from ninepence to two shillings threepence. Oh, yea, and indeed, then, there's gowns cheaper, fourpence and sixpence. But there's nothing to be got out of them, and we don't sell them. From ninepence to eighteenpence is the commonest price. It's poor people as buys. Oh, yes, and indeed, then, it is. Them as has families, and must look about them. Many's the poor woman that said to me, Well, and indeed, ma'am, it isn't my inclination to chapin anybody, as I thinks is fair, and I was brought up quite different to buying old gowns, I assure you. Yes, that's often said. No, sir, it isn't my countrywoman that says it. Note, 
laughing. End note. It's yours. I wouldn't think, says she, of offering you a penny less than one shilling, ma'am, for that frock for my daughter, ma'am. But it's such a hard fight to live. Och, then, and it is indeed. But to hear some of them talk, you'd think they was born ladies. Stuff gowns is from tuppence to eightpence higher than cotton, but they don't sell near so well. I hardly know why. Cotton washes, and if a decent woman gets a cheap second-hand cotton, she washes and does it up, and it seems to come to her fresh and new. That can't be done with stuff. Silk is very little in my way, but silk gowns sell from three shillings sixpence to four shillings. Of satin and velvet gowns, I can tell you nothing. They're never in the streets. Second-hand bonnets is a very poor sale, very. The milliners, poor creatures, as makes them up and sells them in the street, has the greatest sale, but they makes very little by it. Their bonnets looks new, you see, sir, and close and nice for poor women. I've sold bonnets from sixpence to three shillings sixpence, and some of them cost three pounds. But when they get faded and out of fashion, they're of no value at all at all. Shawls is a very little sale, very little. I've got from sixpence to two shillings sixpence for them. Plaid shawls is as good as any, at about one shilling sixpence. But they're a winter trade. Cloaks. Note, they are what in the dressmaking trade are called mantles. End note. Isn't much of a call. I've had them from one shilling sixpence as high as seven shillings. But only once seven shillings. And it was good silk. They're not a sort of wear that suits poor people. Well, and indeed then, I hardly know who buys them second hand. Perhaps bad women buys a few. Or they get men to buy them for them. I think you and missis don't buy much second-hand than in general. The less the better the likes of them. Yes, indeed, sir. Stays I don't sell, but you can buy them from threepence to fifteenpence. It's a small trade, and I don't sell underclothing, or only now and then, except children's. Dear me, I can hardly tell the prices I get for the poor little thing's dress. I'm a little girl myself. The prices vary so just as the frocks and other things is made for big children or little, and what they're made of. I've sold frocks. They sell best on Saturday and Monday nights, from tuppence to one shilling sixpence. Little petticoats is a penny to threepence. Shifts is a penny and tuppence, and so is little shirts. If they wasn't so low, there would be more rags than there is, and sure there's plenty. Well then, and indeed, I don't know what we make in a week. And if I did, why should I tell? Oh, yes, sir, I know from the gentleman that sent you to me that you're asking for a good purpose. Yes, indeed, then. But I really can't say. We do pretty well, God's name be praised. Perhaps a good second-hand gown trade and such like is worth from ten shillings to fifteen shillings a week, and nearer fifteen shillings than ten shillings every week. But that's a good second-hand trade, you understand, sir. A poor trade's about half that, perhaps. But then my husband sells men's wear as well. Yes, indeed. And I find time to go to Mass. And I soon got my husband to go after we was married, for he'd got to neglect it. God be praised. And what's all you can get here compared to making your soul? Note, saving your soul. Making your soul is not an uncommon phrase among some of the Irish people. End note. Och, and indeed then, sir, if you've met Father, blank, you've met a good gentleman. Of the street selling of women and children's second-hand boots and shoes, I need say but little, as they form part of the stock of the men's wear, 
and are sold by the same men, not unfrequently assisted by their wives. The best sale is for black cloth boots, whether laced or buttoned, but the prices run only from fivepence to one shilling ninepence. If the legs of a second-hand pair be good, they are worth fivepence, no matter what the leather portion, including the soles, may be. Coloured boots sell very indifferently. Children's boots and shoes are sold from tuppence to fifteenpence. Of the street sellers of second-hand furs. Of furs, the street sale is prompt enough, or used to be prompt, but not so much so, I am told, last season as formerly. A fur tippet is readily bought for the sake of warmth by women who thrive pretty well in the keeping of coffee stalls or any calling which requires attendance during the night or in the chilliness of early morning, even in summer, by those who go out at early hours to their work. By such persons, a big tippet is readily bought when the money is not an impediment, and to many it is a strong recommendation that when you, the tippet most likely, was worn by a real lady. So I was assured by a person familiar with the trade. One female street seller had three stalls or stands in the new cut, when it was a great street market, about two years back, and all for the sale of second-hand furs. She has now a small shop in second-hand wearing apparel, women's, generally, furs being of course included. The business carried on in the street almost always the cut, by the fur seller in question, who was both industrious and respectable, was very considerable. On a Monday she has not unfrequently taken five pounds, one half of which, indeed more than half, was profit, for the street seller bought in the summer when furs were no money at all, and sold in the winter when they were really tin and no mistake. Before the season began, she sometimes had a small room nearly full of furs. This trade is less confined to Petticoat Lane and the old clothes district, as regards a supply to retail customers, than is anything else connected with dress. But the fur trade is now small. The money, prudence, and forethought necessary to enable a fur seller to buy in the summer for ample profit in the winter, as regards street trade, is not in accordance with the habits of the general run of street sellers who think but of the present, or hardly think even of that. The old furs, like all the other old articles of wearing apparel, whether garbs or what may be accounted primary necessaries, as shoes, or mere comforts or adornments, as boas or muffs, are bought in the first instance at the old clothes exchange, and so find their way to the street sellers. The exceptions as to this first transaction in the trade I now speak of are very trifling, and perhaps more trifling than in other articles, for one great supply of furs, I am informed, is from their being swapped in the spring and summer for dowers with the root-sellers who carry them to the exchange. Last winter there were sometimes as many as ten persons, three-fourths of the number of second-hand fur-sellers, which fluctuates, being women, with fur-stands. They frequent the street markets on the Saturday and Monday nights, not confining themselves to any one market in particular. The best sale is for fur tippets, and chiefly of the darker colours. These are bought, one of the dealers informs me, frequently by maid-servants, who could run off errands in them in the dark, or wear them in wet weather. They are sold from one shilling sixpence to four shilling sixpence, 
about two shillings or two shilling sixpence being a common charge. Children's tippets go off well, from sixpence to one shilling threepence. Boas are not vended to half the extent of tippets, although they are lower priced, one of the tolerably good grey squirrel being one shilling sixpence. The reason of the difference in the demand is that boas are as much an ornament as a garment, while the tippet answers the purpose of a shawl. Muffs are not at all vendible in the streets, the few that are disposed of being principally for children. As muffs are not generally used by maidservants or by the families of the working classes, the absence of demand in the second-hand traffic is easily accounted for. They are bought sometimes to cut up for other purposes. Victorines are disposed of readily enough at from one shilling to two shilling sixpence, as are cuffs from fourpence to eightpence. One man who told me that a few years since he and his wife used to sell second-hand furs in the street was of opinion that his best customers were women of the town, who were tolerably well-dressed, and who required some further protection from the night air. He could readily sell any tidy article, tippet, boa or muff, to those females, if they had from two shillings sixpence to five shillings at command. He had so sold them in Clare Market, in Tottenham Court Road, and the Brill. Of the second-hand sellers of Smithfield Market, no small part of the second-hand trade of London is carried on in the marketplace of Smithfield on the Friday afternoons. Here is a mart for almost everything which is required for the harnessing of beasts of draught, or is required for any means of propulsion or locomotion, either as a whole vehicle or in its several parts, needed by street traders. Also of the machines, vessels, scales, weights, measures, baskets, stands, and all other appliances of street trade. The scene is animated and peculiar, apart from the horse, ass and goat trade, of which I shall give an account hereafter. It is a grand second-hand costermonger's exchange. The trade is not confined to that large body, though they are the principal merchants, but includes greengrocers, often the costermonger in a shop, carmen and others. It is, moreover, a favourite resort of the purveyors of street provisions and beverages, of street dainties and luxuries. Of this class, some of the most prosperous are those who are well known in Smithfield. The space devoted to this second-hand commerce and its accompaniments runs from St. Bartholomew's Hospital towards Long Lane, but isolated peripatetic traders are found in all parts of the space not devoted to the exhibition of cattle or of horses. The crowd on the day of my visit was considerable, but from several I heard the not always very voracious remarks of nothing doing and there's nobody at all here today. The weather was sultry and at every few yards arose the cry from men and boys, ginger beer, hapenny a glass, hapenny a glass, or iced lemonade here, iced raspberry aid, as cold as ice, Hapenny a glass, only a hapenny. A boy was elevated on a board at the end of a splendid affair of this kind. It was a square-built vehicle, the top being about seven feet by four, and flat, and surmounted by the lemonade fountain. Long, narrow champagne glasses, holding a raspberry-coloured liquid, frothed up exceedingly, were ranged round, and the beverage dispensed by a woman, the mother or employer of the boy who was bawling.
The sides of the machine, which stood on wheels, were a bright shiny blue, and on them sprawled the lion and unicorn in gorgeous heraldry, yellow and gold, the artist being, according to a prominent announcement, a herald painter. The apparatus was handsome, but with that exaggeration of handsomeness which attracts the high and low vulgar, who cannot distinguish between gaudiness and beauty. The sale was brisk. The ginger beer sold in the market was generally dispensed from carts, and here I noticed what occurs yearly in street commerce, an innovation on the established system of the trade. Several sellers disposed of their ginger beer in clear glass bottles, somewhat larger and fuller-necked than those introduced by Monsieur Soyer for the sale of his nectar, and the liquid was drunk out of the bottle the moment the cork was undrawn, and so the necessity of a glass was obviated. Near the herald painter's work, of which I have just spoken, stood a very humble stall, on which were loaves of bread, and round the loaves were pieces of fried fish, and slices of bread on plates, all remarkably clean. Oysters! Penny a lot! Penny a lot! Oysters! was the cry, the most frequently heard after that of ginger beer, and so on. Cherries! Tuppence a pound! Penny a pound! Cherries! Fruit pies! Try my fruit pies! The most famous dealer in all kinds of penny pies is, however, not a pedestrian, but an equestrian hawker. He drives a very smart, handsome pie-cart, sitting behind, after the manner of the handsome cabman, the lifting up of a lid below his knees, displaying his large stock of pies. His drag is whisked along rapidly by a brisk chestnut pony, well harnessed. The whole set-out, I was informed, pony included, cost fifty pounds when new. The proprietor is a keen chartist and teetotaler, and loses no opportunity to inculcate to his customers the excellence of teetotalism as well as of his pies. Milk, hapenny a pint, hapenny a pint, good milk, is another cry. Raspberry cream, iced raspberry cream, hapenny a glass. This street seller had a capital trade. Street ices, or rather ice creams, were somewhat of a failure last year, more especially in Greenwich Park but this year they seem likely to succeed. The Smithfield man sold them in very small glasses, which he merely dipped into a vessel at his feet, and so filled them with the cream. The consumers had to use their fingers instead of a spoon, and no few seemed puzzled how to eat their ice, and were grievously troubled by its getting among their teeth. I heard one drover mutter that he felt as if it had snowed in his belly, Perhaps at Smithfield Market on the Friday afternoons, every street trade in eatables and drinkables has its representative, with the exception of such things as sweet stuff, curds and whey, and so on, which are bought chiefly by women and children. There were plum duff, plum cake, pastry, pea soup, whelks, periwinkles, ham sandwiches, hot eels, oranges, and so on, and so on, and so on. These things are the usual accompaniment of street markets, and I now come to the subject matter of the work, the sale of second-hand articles. In this trade, since the introduction of a new arrangement two months ago, there has been a great change. The vendors are not allowed to vend barrows in the market, unless indeed with a pony or donkey harnessed to them, or unless they are wheeled about by the owner. 
and they are not allowed to spread their wares on the ground. When it is considered of what those wares are composed, the awkwardness of the arrangement to the salespeople may be understood. They consist of second-hand collars, pads, saddles, bridles, bits, traces, every description of worn harness, whole or in parts, the wheels, springs, axles, and so on, of barrows and carts, the beams, chains, and bodies of scales. These, perhaps, are the chief things which are sold separately as parts of a whole. The traders have now no other option but to carry them as they best can, and offer them for sale. You saw men who really appear clad in harness. Portions were fastened round their bodies, collars slung on their arms, pads or small cart saddles with their shaft gear were planted on their shoulders. Some carried merely a collar or a harness bridle, or even a bit or a pair of spurs. It was the same with the springs and so on of the barrows and small carts. They were carried under men's arms, or poised on their shoulders. The wheels and other things, which are too heavy for such modes of transport, had to be placed in some sort of vehicle, and in the vehicles might be seen trestles and so on. The complaints on the part of the second-hand sellers were neither few nor mild. "'If it had been a fat ox that had to be accommodated,' said one, "'before he was roasted for an alderman, he'd have found some way to do it. But it don't matter for poor men.' though why we shouldn't be suited with a market as well as richer people is not the ticket that's the fact these arrangements are already beginning to be infringed and will be more and more infringed for such is always the case the reason why they were adopted was that the ground was so littered that there was not room for the donkey traffic and other requirements of the market the donkeys when shown under the old arrangement often trod on boards of old metal and so on, spread on the ground, and tripped, sometimes to their injury, in consequence. Prior to the change, about twenty persons used to come from Petticoat Lane and so on, and spread their old metal and other stores on the ground. Of these there are now none. These Petticoat Laners, I was told by a Smithfield frequenter, were men who knew the price of old rags, a new phrase expressive of their knowingness and keenness in trade. The statistics of this trade will be found under that head. The prices are often much higher and much lower. I speak of the regular trades. I have not included the sale of the superior butcher's carts and so on, as that is a traffic not in the hands of the regular second-hand street sellers. I have not thought it requisite to speak of the hawking of whips, sticks, wash-leathers, brushes, curry-combs, and so on and so on, of which I have already treated distinctively. The accounts of the capital and income of the street-sellers of second-hand articles I am obliged to defer till a future occasion. End of section 7